Hey everyone, and welcome to our midnight special on Wave Race 64. I'm going to be hosting tonight. I'm Greg Gentry. With me is Greg Livingston, Daniel Johnson, and Adrian, what's your last name? Santiago. Adrian Santiago. I just um, thought it was Yakoma 44. No. <laughs> that is I'm a common, even... common last name. <laughs> All right. So, Adrian, how was your Thanksgiving? There actually wasn't one. The turkey took too long to defrost. Oh, what? So you had to cancel the holiday? Yeah, so uh, I'm eating turkey tonight. Or I've already eaten turkey. All right. That sounds interesting. Uh, Golem, how about you? How was Thanksgiving? Mine was pretty good. I got to play DuckTales Remastered with my nephew. That was a strange experience. Yeah, how long has he been working on that? I He's had it for like a year now. All right, well, a poultry-themed game for a poultry-themed holiday. Oh, n- oh no. We <laughs> served Scrooge for dinner. And, uh, Daniel, how is uh, whatever you guys celebrate instead of Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah, we don't celebrate uh, Thanksgiving in Australia, but, um, yeah, otherwise I'm fine. It's uh, spring there, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Oh, that must be nice. All right, Daniel, what have you been playing recently? Other than Wave Race? Um, yeah. Huh, I've been playing uh, a few demos on the 3DS. Um, I was just playing Mario Golf World Tour, um, which is very similar to the other games in the series, which I've all completed. Yeah, otherwise not a lot. Um, a little bit bit of um, Smash Brothers, but not, but not the 3DS or the Wii U one, but actually um, Brawl, because I've had that on my shelf for like five or six years, and I just haven't played it much, so I've been, <laughs> so I thought, well, now's as timely as ever, so I've been uh, playing a little bit of uh, the Subspace Emissary oh. mode on there. <laughs> <laughs> I was almost going to say, well, you're in for a real treat, because Brawl's a great one, but not Subspace Emissary. Yeah, you gotta go with classic mode. Yeah, um, I'm playing it on the highest difficulty, which is intense. And I find like after like two or three hits, you'll be at a hundred percentage, and you just fly off the screen. Like oh, it's just crazy sometimes. And that, yeah, it's a bit. I don't know. Like I can appreciate the the kind of blending of different game series and like nice cutscenes and everything like that but um yeah the actual like platforming bits in it is a bit um yeah i don't think too much i mean i'm i'm not being too critical of i'm just kind of like just going along for the ride i'm not going to think too much about it so and that's working out well (laughs) that's good adrian how about you what have you been up to i've been playing valkyria chronicles i just started playing uh link's awakening and i also got back into metroid fusion and Defeated the nightmare. Yeah, that was quite a treat to watch. Yeah, so that guy's hard. Was the nightmare the best boss so far? Would you say he is a good boss? I, I don't know. It's between him and Box. I guess the only thing is that the Box doesn't have an issue where his hitbox is kind of weird because his helmet that is going into the background, your missile bounces off, and it's like, oh, what the hell is that? But other than that, um, it's a cool boss. I need to rewatch it while editing to see what else it was that made that boss uh, so tough. 
other than just his him having a big hitbox when he's moving around the room. Part of it is like having to imagine what his momentum is doing when you can't see him. Yeah, he goes. It, it's not only that he goes off screen because he's so big relative to the camera and you can move up and down the field, but he also goes outside the bounding box of the camera. Like he'll go past the wall you're on when he's moving like that. Yeah, he goes. He goes like two or three screens past. Yeah. I think that's also what makes that boss so hard in his third phase and why I was getting hit so much. So, yeah, that's why it's hard. Nice. Well, you're almost to the end, I believe. Yeah, I mean, once you've got the gravity suit, you know you're getting close. All right, Golem, how about you? Aside from Wave Race, my time has been spent practicing Maximo Guts to Glory. And... uh, (laughs) It's this PS2 action platformer that's kind of a, I guess aesthetically speaking, calls back to Ghosts and Goblins, but mechanically it doesn't feel very similar because it, Ghosts and Goblins felt very precise with all of its jumps and attacks, whereas I have a little trouble gauging where my momentum will take me and where exactly my sword will land in 3D space in Maximo. So the enemies are pretty simple, but they do a good job of drawing out what makes the game interesting. Like, uh, there's just a guy that throws a boomerang axe, and there's a guy that blocks your hits. So the enemy sets are simple, and right now I'm still just getting used to friggin' controlling Maximo. So there's a lot more learning of mechanics in that one versus in the um, older series where it's more oriented around reflex challenge. I guess... um I would phrase it as a difference between learning mechanics and learning the level. Yeah. I don't know if learning the level ever really helped me in Super Ghouls and Guts. You certainly have to memorize, like, at what pixel you apply the double jump. Does he still fly out of his underwear? He, uh, uh, well, he keeps his underwear on, but... (laughs) I meant... (laughs) You know what I meant. Yeah. He flies out of his armor. Okay. Yeah, they've taken the series to the next step by allowing you to buy different patterns of uh, underwear. Actually, another thing that separates it from um, the 2D games is that you get four hits per piece of armor. Oh, that was much needed. Yeah, well, it goes fast. Yeah. You know, he doesn't turn into a skeleton when he dies, though. I miss that. Yeah, he just kind of folds over. Yeah, not as fun. this discussion i think we're going to be focusing on championship mode so the goals and the challenges available in time trial and stunt may be defined slightly differently so let's try to keep our attention on just playing a circuit in the competitive uh, race and we're also going to focus a little bit on twilight city particularly the expert version of twilight city I picked out that course because I think it has a lot of variety, but if we find it's insufficient for the discussion, feel free to throw in examples from any other course. Okay. So, Greg, in championship mode, what's the goal of a given race? 
there are a lot of sub goals, but I suppose your primary focus is just being able to open up the next race. So like when, when you get the course overview at the beginning, it says blank to advance and uh, your immediate goal is just to get however many points that says. Okay. That makes sense. Anyone else have anything to add to that? Yeah. It's really just um, getting first. That's all you can do. And if in one race you can't meet the required set of points and you can't continue, so that's ultimately within the game's own rules. That's your that's your main objective is just getting enough points to keep on going. Daniel brought up an interesting point with me the other day where he said, like, it's real goofy that I'm in first, but also I don't have enough points to complete the circuit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that happened to me on the Expert Cup I beat all of the, um, like all eight of the tracks. I got to the end and I was first overall, but I was one point shy of the required number of points to move on to the next race, although there wasn't a next race, which just seemed like a really odd and arbitrary rule. Yeah, that almost happened to me as well in uh, expert mode. I had so many points ahead that I could lose the next two races, being last in both of them, and I would still win. But once I got to uh, the final course, once I got to Southern Island, it said second place or higher. And I'm like, oh, crap, they're not going to let me uh, cruise along for this one. They're going to force me to at least dominate them. Thankfully, I beat it, though, and that's how I beat Expert. So ultimately, ultimately, that illustrates that the game is forcing you to get a number of points not to come in first place. Mm, yeah. Which is really kind of intuitive to the way that most races work and the fact that you still like you can still get game over even though you could beat the uh, the second place race by like 15 17 points which was the situation that i was in (laughs) it's like you know there's that much of a difference and i still got game over like yeah and and by the same token you can come in second place and i think possibly even third place and still succeed and uh you know see the ending scene yeah Actually, uh, I did game over with Jeter once where I saw my score. I was second place in the overall rankings. I was only three points behind. It's like, nope, game over. It's like, what? I could totally come back. So that was another weird moment. Okay. So within the confines of that goal or given that the understood goal of a race is to get X number of points from it, in Expert Twilight City, what kind of challenges does the player need to overcome to reach the goal? You absolutely have to know to jump over that first ramp. <laughs> if you're Jeter or Hayami, you have to know that you will not get enough airtime to go over the ramp. You need to dive underwater under the wall because on my first playthrough, I ignored it after I completely crashed on my first attempt after going it, and I was in dead last. I just ignore that as Jeter. I take the long way. I did that. Yeah, I did uh, that as well. I saw no one, and I'm like, where is everybody? And I stayed <laughs> in third. Yeah, and the problem is that you have, like, if you don't take that shortcut, then you just have to spend the rest of the race really refining your technique and your racing line. Adrian, I just want to ask, based on our discussions from last weekend, you've been trying that, like, ducking under the shortcut thing where you go underwater instead of up the ramp? Like, you've been trying that and it's worked? Yeah, and it's not that I'm trying that as a word, it's that that's what I do every time I go to that level with uh, 
Jeter Hariyami. You mean you go off the ramp and then use that momentum to dive underwater, right? Yes. Oh, that trick you were talking about. No, I have not tried it yet. I should have tried it. But I was playing with, um, uh, what's her face, a steward, so it wasn't, there wasn't a point for me to do that. But she's too slow, so that sucked. We saw this crazy video where this guy just, um, drives straight ahead, skips the ramp at the beginning of Twilight City, and then off of some innocuous wave gets enough momentum to dive underwater. Oh, that sounds like quite a trick. It, it looks really funny, but it's it's amazing if you can pull it off. I'm going to try it. Yeah, you should include uh, a link to the video in the show notes, Greg. Yeah. So you said you thought, Adrian, that uh, that hitting that ramp is necessary, but Golem and Daniel said they don't use that, and presumably they won the race before. So can we consider that an optional challenge? Yeah. Greg, Daniel, just to confirm, you have the expert. Or yeah. Twilight City first place going around the ramp. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, first or second, I think. It is quite tricky, right? Because there's another little trick that you can do in Twilight City where all of the subsequent ramps, you don't go up them because you know, any airtime just slows you down. It's better to be staying down in the water. But the real issue with that is right next to all these ramps, there's just these little spike balls and there's not a lot of uh, room to maneuver on through. So if you miss the shortcut right at the beginning, then you really need to be able to take control and get through those spikes, which is really tricky. Part of the challenge I've found with those spikes is that the ramps themselves obscure them. Mm. So you have to have a good feel for the spacing ahead of time. Yeah, it's not just um, the ramps. It's also the player avatar, which is yeah something that Adrian talked about with me before, where it's like, because on the camera is so low and zoomed in, the player avatar obscures what's right in the middle of the screen. And so it, those two things just, like, create a huge blind spot. Yeah. You have to push C down, and you'll get probably the best camera, which is a nice zoomed-out angle, and it's much easier to deal with them. But the default camera, yeah, you've got a blind spot right in front of you. Yeah, actually, I haven't even tried the other camera angles. Oh. So what else in Twilight City? What is necessary for the player to complete their goal for the race? Well, there is a ramp. It's the last ramp just before the start line where you either take the ramp or you have to maneuver around the pier that the ramp uh, is trying to get you to jump over. Uh, I've always found it was faster to take the ramp and then shift my balance forward so I could land down quickly and then get right back up. Yeah, that's interesting because in the same video that we watched where the guy does, uh, where he uses the momentum of a wave to go underwater and do that trick with a shortcut, he also avoids that final ramp that you're talking about, and he goes a long way around, which I thought was really interesting, because I also go up the ramp, because it seems like such a self-apparent shortcut, uh, especially if you're doing the trick where when you're about to move off the ramp, you you, know, you just break, and it'll cut down your airtime a bit. Mm-hmm. So it's the same kind of thing that you can do to minimize your airtime off of waves. Okay, here's another thing. Do we all ride over the sandbar, or do we go around it? With Jeter, I find that he keeps his momentum well enough that I can take whatever crazy turns I want. So, like, going over that pier at the end of the race isn't too crazy of an idea. And the same with the sandbar. Whereas, like, with Mariner, you definitely got to go over that sandbar. Yeah, oh, I was going to say I don't go over it with Mariner. Oh, no. He doesn't turn well enough, so... 
I just oh. take the wide route. Yeah, I played with Hayami, so uh, the sandbar is what I went with. He's got much of looser, looser turning, so, yeah. Yeah, I tend to cut the corner, not go... I mean, like, when you guys say that you go over the sandbar, you mean, like, like how close do you hug the wall? Are you, like, halfway between, or... Because that's, that's a pretty tall little kind of ramp there, right? Uh, I usually manage halfway. Yeah. Hmm. About halfway so that um, um, it doesn't make you go in the air too long, and so you keep going straight towards the, the ramp. But not so you can go on it, but so you can go around and hmm. sea urchins, spike balls, whatever. Yeah, I don't think they're sea urchins. <laughs> I was thinking they were sea urchins, and it makes a lot more sense because... That's what they are, but there's just spike balls right out of Mario. <laughs> well, they're relics of World War II um, left behind on these ancient jet ski courses. <laughs> yeah, the ancient land of Twilight City. <laughs> so Great. the, the, the um, yeah, obstacles go. in the course are required because you got to get through the course. But there's also the fact that you can't, if you need points then you can't skip more than five buoys. Right, but there are times occasionally when you don't need any points. Yeah. You can retire, which is weird. That's that's when you're so behind, you know it's not even worth racing anymore. But I've never had to do that. So what you're saying, Greg, is that the requirements for passing the course are situationally determined, not something hard and fast that you know going into the race? It's a mix. I mean, the number of points you need is situationally determined, and so, like, you're going to have to be better than the other three racers, or you're going to have to be able to maneuver around buoys competently enough. But, you know, as dumb as it sounds, you need to have the ability to manipulate a controller so, (laughs) so that you can get a guy through the course... Like, you can't just ran and run into a wall and then get stuck there. Yeah, maybe that's negligible and not worth mentioning. But Sort of. That one also falls under the category of when you're retiring. It's okay, though. Oh, or actually, yeah. Or when you yeah. points. Yeah. You can just, you know, ride backwards forever. <laughs> oh, I thought this was reverse mode. <laughs> Do jet skis have a reverse uh, yeah, they should. Yeah, what you can do is you can, you can like, twist the... Like, there's a thing inside that you can twist, and so that, basically, it'll turn that, um, uh, the fan the other way around, and then it'll move you backwards. <laughs> I think You've done this before. Might, no, 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 I was just, uh, I was reading up, um, about jet skis, you know, because when we're trying to make sense of the, um, dynamics of jet skis, Compared to cars, I just looked up a few things and yeah, I read about that. So oh. um, I, I think you can do it with the handlebars, but I'm not quite sure now. Huh. I know that. I'm sure one day we'll all get to experience that firsthand. <laughs> we have discussed doing commune field trips before, right? <laughs> okay, so there is a point at which you have a certain number of points in the race and you have a certain number of points going into a race that you need to get, and you're in, say, the third lap, and you're two seconds behind or something like that, that, as Daniel was uh, mentioning before, 
say he takes the or chooses not to take the shortcut at the beginning, then he was saying he has to skip the ramps to maintain his position. So that's more what I mean when I say situationally determined requirements. Mm. Oh, within the race itself, not within the circuit. Right. Oh, yeah, I think, you know, I think it might be easier to think of it like the goal is obviously to get as many points as you can to continue um, because that is the rule set by the game. That's the blockade, uh, the blockage that determines whether or not you get through. Otherwise, you know, what the player does and to reach that is all very player determined. I think it's very difficult to talk about that concretely because as is the nature with um, racing games, um, especially with Wave Race, with its variable water, is, you know, things change lap by lap. And so the positions of the races, the timing that the waves come in, you know, there's so many, how powered up your vehicle is, things like this, like, um, are constantly in flux. And so it's a bit hard to kind of focus on the situational stuff and talk about it concretely without being kind of like um, anecdotal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That mm. was actually what I was driving at. Mm. <laughs> but um, in terms of optional stuff, right, like maybe this is a kind of irrelevant note, but I always find it interesting how like there's a stunt mode and then you've got the championship mode, but doing stunts in championship mode doesn't do anything to affect your speed or anything like that. I know um, in other games, I think like 1080 Avalanche and other racing games, like if you can pull off tricks, it'll give you a speed boost. But um, it's kind of strange that there's this whole system of tricks, you know, but they isolate it from the racing portion of the game. Yeah, that's kind of strange. I wish there was some way to turn it off because uh, the time that you accidentally do the barrel roll, like right at the end of Port Blue, really stinks. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing with that analog stick because I've never had that happen to me. I've done it. <laughs> I, I've done it at the end of... Wait, you said Port Blue before, right? Yeah. Craig? Yeah, when you try to turn that sharp corner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so you'll go up the ramp and you'll be like, okay, if I can just tilt my craft midair and you start doing that preemptively and then you're already doing a barrel roll. And you're like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I've had that happen to me before. Yeah. Um, and that's one so thing that, yeah, um, that's one really neat technique, right? Is just try and keep anything that you do in the air really simple. Uh, I know before, uh, I think Adrian or Greg, you mentioned that when you go up the final ramp in Twilight City, you'll tilt forward and things like that. I just left all of that alone because uh, if you bail on one jump, then the repercussions are quite harsh. Well, on that first jump in Twilight City, you can afford to do a trick. Well, that is yeah. if you have the airtime. Otherwise, if you're yeah. trying to dive under, you don't want them uh, doing a handstand or anything. Yeah, I'm just thinking of what it would look like um, to do, you know, the dive under trick um, where you go under the water and also do, like, like a barrel roll as well. <laughs> Last week, we were talking a little bit about, like, the themes of each levels, and uh, it just occurred to me that Twilight City is a bit about verticality. You know, you've got these ramps, you've got, yeah, I guess, just the ramps, really, and that tricky corner after the first shortcut it seems to just add a bit more um, height to the levels. Yeah. Twilight City has the most ramps of any of the eight racetracks in Wave Race. The only other ones that have ramps... Really t- yeah, they're really tall, too. And narrow. Tall and narrow. Yeah. The only other ones are Port Blue, which have these big, fat ramps that are hard to miss. And... There's the one in... Southern uh, Island. Southern Island, yeah, just before but, the uh, abandoned ship. 
Yeah, but it's only if the tide's high enough that you can actually go off that ramp and use it to go over a boat. But uh, I think it's actually faster to go around the boat, so you know, whatever. Yeah, that left buoy on the opposite side of it is so gracious that oh, yeah. I find I psych myself into thinking I need to take the ramp, and then it's just so much better if I ignore it. Yeah, because, yeah, it's weird when the shortcut is hard to do. Shortcut isn't actually much of a shortcut. I don't know, I guess they could have worked out that part of the course better. Twilight City also, I feel like the buoys are pretty lenient, but then there's more of those spike balls than I think you see on most courses. Yeah. That, in some sense, forces the use of the ramps. I mean, it doesn't force it. As we said, you can avoid them. It encourages but, it. Yeah, it puts a, a higher risk to skipping the ramp than just you know, losing 0.5 seconds off your time. Yeah. In fact, you can actually uh, use the ramp to just go a little bit off the air. Like, if you go off just... If you, like, cut the ramp diagonally, you don't yeah. go all the way up the ramp. You just cut off so you almost jump over, but still keep mm. your air time low. Yeah. The only other thing, though, that ties into that is that those areas are quite narrow as well. Yeah. And if yeah. you do it wrong, you'll, you might accidentally you know, crash into a wall. Or on the other sandbar once you get past it, which will definitely slow you down. Mm, yeah. That's where yeah, Jeter... So really, your options are reduced greatly. Yeah. That's where great... Oh, uh, that's where Jeter really stinks when you get into those uh, super narrow sections. Since his turning is so sensitive, I guess I want to say, is that like you sneeze on the joystick and he makes a 90-degree turn. And uh, Whereas with Mariner, it's a lot easier to set your course in those narrow hallways, and then just clear it out. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about using certain challenges to increase your performance in terms of time. Buoys, they have sort of a a vaguer sense of performance increase. Can we talk about that a little bit? Why the player might want to... um, Uh, Skip the buoys? Well, either, yeah, I mean, how, how do you make decisions based around the buoys? For sure, the distance. Like um, I know in um, uh, in the reverse tracks in Sunny yeah. Beach, because you go, you make that big L, you save so much time. Actually, I think it's actually faster to skip the buoy in that instance, no matter what your speed reduction is, because it is so. You have to go so out of your way just to go the normal route that on the reverse, it's better to just skip it. Which buoy in particular? Uh, when you're going around the L. Yeah, but. They don't have numbers on them, I don't know. <laughs> what part of the L, I guess I should say. The, um... Okay. Is it on the okay, stem or the leg? Watch. <laughs> yeah, the stem and the leg. So, should have been more prepared. But yeah, you know the beginning of the course? Okay. It's basically the beginning of the course where you have, you're at the top of the L and you're going out to the the leg of the L. Yes. So, it's mm-hmm. like... like um. And following the leg is the first ramp? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Um, Actually, I think maybe a clearer example is actually in the reverse mode of um, Twilight City. Uh, The first boy there, which is far out to the left, but the actual turn, like, it doesn't go that wide, and so you you can just hug the right wall and then cut off a lot of your distance Uh, there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Oh, by the way... Similar. Yeah, Twilight City was the one um, that I failed in. Yeah, by the way, I haven't actually beaten Reverse yet. Uh, we were doing this much sooner than expected. I thought it was Saturday. 
But um, okay. another thing about um, Sunset Bay is uh, you you actually have to go out of bounds in order to do that to do the skip where it'll save your time. Oh yeah, I wrote the letter L. So you're basically going from the top of the letter L to the you know the right leg or whatever you want to call that, and you actually have to go out of bounds to do that. But it saves you so much time. I'll have to try that. I never even thought about it. Yeah, of course. You know, you don't need to do it for the last the last lap. So you're 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 only getting two penalties. For me, I would just unless it was like like a do or die situation, um, or if I was feeling really risky, I'd always stick within the boys because you know that speed reduction is is huge. And I think on the easier difficulty levels, you can get away with it, but on expert. You basically always need to be going at max power. Yeah. Well, I, I found that on reverse, anyways, that uh, the speed reduction oh. isn't significant enough for mm. cheating that L in uh, Sunset Bay. Yeah, um, um, you're right there. Because I think, I don't think that the courses um, and the positions of the boys are as optimized for reverse. And so you get these weird little quirks that are sometimes better just to, you know, as you say, just avoid. <laughs> I think yeah. it I think it depends on the racer though because someone like Mariner is fast enough that he can afford some hit to his speed whereas someone with like Jeter he needs all the speed he can get but he also like loses no momentum by making crazy turns so I find it's usually my best interest to make more buoys with Jeter than I do with Mariner. Jeter's actually one of the faster ones. It's actually a Stewart and then Ayami that are the slower ones. Stewart's by far the slowest. Yeah, I question whether you can win the higher circuits with Stewart. Same here. <laughs> like, I tried reverse in hard mode, and it's like, I can't keep up with these guys. They're just flying right past me, even though, like, I'll start out first, because she's got good acceleration below top speed. I'll start it fine, but then, like, on the third lap, up, or not even third lap, second lap, up, there goes Mariner whizzing right past me again. Wish I could just punch him off. It's always Mariner, too. Has anyone yeah. had that problem where it's like every single time Mariner is just being a douche? Yeah, that's one of the advantages of playing as him, that you don't have to race against him. <laughs> On reverse, I find it's either Mariner or Stewart. Yeah. Do you think that the AI in Wave Race 64 is like that of Mario 64 and Super Mario... Sorry, um, Mario Kart, where after... <laughs> <laughs> um, we're after the first race. Um, whoever, wait, wait, it's not even that. It's every character um, is matched with. Um, There's like an, a rival. Uh, yeah, like a rival character. So if um, in Mario Kart I play as Toad, and I think Peach is usually Toad's rival. And if Peach is dropped down from her first or second position to like third or fourth, then there'll be like a backup rival racer who'll come in and then you know, get all the points off of them so they can fill in that lost ground. Do you think that there's something like that in Wave Race, where like you have a set rival? I don't know, because for me, every almost every time, it's been Mariner. Like, when I was with Jeter, when I was with Stewart, when I was with Hayami, every time it's been Mariner. Yeah, it's so. been Mariner for me as well. I sort of got the impression that the AI is just optimized in a way that Mariner always gets the best time. Yeah, he's like, the uh, like he's the veteran. <laughs> no, he's the uh, antagonist of the Wave Race series. 
Oh, that, that costume is, uh, Oh, no, if we're also talking about, um, Bowie shortcuts, um, the reverse track of Marine Fortress is another one. So once you pass the gate, it's another thing you do again where you go out of bounds and then you go to that turn right before where you see that coral reef. Cause what the game wants you to do is it wants you to make an R, like, like a sort of a right triangle, but you can just cut the triangle and just go along the hypotenuse and then you can go through it a lot faster and you only miss like one buoy. So that was another one I found. Uh, unfortunately it was too late for me by the time I found that. But it was definitely going to be help me on my next playthrough. Yeah, I'm still practicing reverse myself. I wonder if you can do that water trick with that gate. That really screwed me up because I ran right into <laughs> it in the first time reverse mode. I didn't go around it. It only it only opens on the second lap. But if you forget to take that into account, you'll get stuck at a dead end. It's like, oh shit. Well, you know, if it was truly reverse, it would be open on the first two and then closed on the third. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and um, you'd be driving you backwards. Hear it open <laughs> <laughs> you can actually hear open on the second lap? Yeah, you can. Mm. Uh, that's cool. Well, that is if someone else doesn't get it open before you and you're like fourth place. Otherwise, it's just, hey, this thing's open. But you can see it happen open right before your eyes. Yeah, I think it's prompted once the first place racer gets uh, is moving around that corner with all the... Um, uh, it's quite choppy, and there's, a, like, two boxes in the water. Yeah. Yeah, it's a corner right before it. Those boxes. <laughs> those boxes in that narrow hallway. That's tough. Hate those. Yeah, those will get you... That's why I always go around them in the first section with the boxes. With the boxes. I just don't even bother going weaving between them, because I never know if the water's going to make me go, like, right above them or right under them. So I, I don't even, like, try, you know, weaving between them. It's just, it's too wavy. I try. I always have to play that safe. And so that's an example of something where the a challenge where the risk outweighs the reward. Yeah. Well, Especially when there's sure some that. What? Yeah, I'm not sure about that because I only really crashed on that bit like two or three times, and otherwise there's a, like there is a certain racing line that you can follow through that part. You just you just veer a little bit to the left and then do a sharp turn hmm. once you get to the end. Yeah, if you hug the left box, you can do it. I just meant it for Adrian. Uh, yeah, that with was, Stuart, uh, how he's playing it. Yeah, with Stuart, I can clear that no problem because she has much sharper turning. But with Hayami, no, he's not. He doesn't turn fast enough to where I find it worth the risk because I'm pretty sure I crashed with him more than anyone else on that section. And then Jeter's issue is that he turns too sharp. But uh, looks like I'm gonna have to get used to playing with Jeter or at least a customized Jeter to. Beat reverse. Any other instances of, uh, I think we talked about in Twilight City skipping the, um, wall that you have to go under. Then Adrian mentioned those boxes. Any other challenges that you guys regularly skip? I think we all, or do we all skip the, the ramp at Southern Island to go over the boat? Uh, I actually usually take the ramp. Oh. Yeah, I take it too. I think another good example is the series of stumps in Drake Lake. Right near the end. Oh, yeah. you skipped those? I was for a while, and then I'm like, no, I better take it. And then I just learnt that racing line and got lucky a few times. Yeah. I always try to go for through the stumps because I can't resist the challenge. But uh, <laughs> I've had more than one occasion where uh, those have wrecked me. Like that, that jet ski just goes flying in the air. I hit them so hard. 
I just, yeah. I still can't get regular at those stumps. But as as Mariner, I can pull it off. But with Jeter, I'm still getting that dexterity. Yeah, I have been able to pull it off though. So it's not. It's just I need to get it consistent. Yeah, this is really interesting hearing hearing you guys talk about the different characters because I just I've only played um, as Jeter. I've never played as anyone else, and so I think his his sharp turning is some is probably a difficulty hump that I got over early on, and that's made it easier to get through the later courses where you guys maybe you had a smoother run at the start of your play experience. Yeah, I started off with Ayami, then I moved to Stewart. Then I moved to Jeter just for the fun of it on Expert. But then I found that he was super sharp. Then I moved back to uh, Hayami. Or no, I think I went to Stewart, found that she was too slow on Expert. Then I went back to Hayami. So, yeah, I've probably been switching around the characters more than I probably should have. Back to his post on Drake Lake, uh, just one comment I had was that um, that's a relatively difficult challenge that I can't consistently do. But I still attempt every time because I'm good enough at the rest of Drake Lake that I have the leeway to screw that up. I'm usually like seconds ahead by that point, if I'm playing with Mariner at least. So I take advantage of that advantage and (laughs) challenge myself further. So that's an example of that uh, situational relevance of a challenge? Yeah, in that case, the risk is basically undercut by my existing status in the race. Uh, so all there really is to worry about is the reward. Yeah. Even the, the little section where you weave between the buoys right before, even that I can do pretty consistently. So um, that part with stumps is the only part with uh, Drake Lake that I cannot get consistently yet. Okay. Actually, um, um, yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a side note, that stump portion is a million times easier in reverse because of how they reorient the buoys. Hmm. Yeah. It seems like there's one less buoy in there. Is there? Or does it just feel I, like that? <laughs> I want to say it's only because they make all the right buoys left and all the left buoys right. But I would have to go back and confirm whether or not there's the same amount. Yeah, Yeah, because it seems like there's one of them that is, I think there's a red right angled one right as you go in, and that's the angle that you enter it at anyway, so it yeah. kind of, like, crosses one off. So it just makes that last one on normal, the first one in reverse, and it makes it just, like, the angle that you approach, so it's much easier. Mm-hmm. Okay. How does your standing in the circuit affect the way that you compete in a particular race? I always want to go for the best time, so my... No, 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 that's not true. It, it does allow me to relax a bit, like, not be so tense... But, uh, you know, if I'm doing really good, but then again, Wave Race will force you to, like, play good. It's like, no, you're not getting fourth in this one. You're getting second or higher on this one. So <laughs> uh, I just try to go for the best time every time I can. The only way I'm not going to stop is if I, if I get DQ'd, like, on Glacier Coast. Yeah, I mean, there's really, there's two things that prevent you from just, you know, cruising through on the first five races and then just retiring for the last three. Uh, and that is that you've got that competitive racer, um, which is, um, who is it again? Mariner? Mariner. Mariner. Yeah, yeah, Mariner. Um, so you've got him who's always on your back, and then you've got that course-by-course course standard that you have to meet as well. So, because um, I'm just thinking of, like, other racing games, like, say, in uh, in um, the Wipeout series, where 
Like there's no designated rival craft. Each race that you partake in, uh, um, anyone can win. Everyone has an equal chance to come first. And that's really weird because there's not that strong force that's constantly pushing you um, to go well. And it makes the challenge a hell of a lot more easier. So I think those two forces just ensure that you always have to be playing your best game. Unless you're already really good and you've already beaten it, um, of course. I guess I got the opposite sense where, like, I got a first on uh, Sunny Beach in Sunset Bay, so uh, it's okay if I'm a little crappy at Drake Lake. And that um, my learning of courses comes in fits and starts, but the point system has enough leeway built into it that I don't need to know everything to Mm. get to the end. Yeah. I mean, you can... You can bank the points in your favor by just doing well at the first few. I think it's more so that, like in some other games, you can just go, uh, you can just do well in the first half of the tournament and then just forget about on the rest. But in Wave Race, if you do well in the first ones, you still have to do reasonably okay at the last few. You can't just bomb out and get a free ride. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think my experience is that it's very difficult to tune your performance to get like second or third place. The other racers are so unpredictable and they also all stick together pretty closely that I seem to either get first or fourth. So yeah, but there you, are cases yeah. You also main Mariner though, right? Uh, I use Hayami for a long time too though. Okay. More to the point is that I can't control whether I get second, third or fourth. So while there are those cases where I feel like I can take it easy because I'm ahead on points, especially getting towards the end, I very quickly fall behind again if I try to do that too much. There's a very steep drop-off because of that fact that it's difficult to like shoot for the middle of the pack when you have such a small pack. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that's why crashing is so bad because if you crash then you know know, like two or three seconds and then they're all just you know zoom past you all at once yeah okay so for the final question kind of a pretty esoteric question how do you know when you've beaten wave race 64 you can never beat wave race 64 when you get to the podium screen and you're standing on the top one no but the credits don't roll wait when do they roll uh, I'm actually not sure because I haven't beaten reverse. Hmm. I can't remember if they play on reverse. I yeah, I just can't remember. Huh. But yeah, I mean, I think I think if you just beat it on reverse and you get some top scores uh, in the stunt mode, then you're all set. Yeah. And that's partially be uh, and that's partially because it seems like your race times in the championship mode tie into the stats kept for the time trial mode. So if you just do really well uh, in one mode, then it will affect... Um, those contributions will go into the other mode, which is helpful. Well, it's still worth doing time trial mode since you, know, you don't have to put up with the other racers. Yeah, there's really nice beauty to just like racing without any other distractions. It kind of like focuses your mind on, um, uh, on the racing line and um, on just optimizing and putting those little bits of information that you gather as you're moving around the course into your long-term memory. Yeah, I actually took a lot of time to practice time trials when I was learning the game just to 
commit everything to memory and commit all the, uh, or experiment with the different course or different paths to take. Also a good way to learn um, the advanced techniques, you know, like with the softening bounces mm-hmm. off of waves and uh, doing tight steering. Yeah. Still, no amount of practice is going to help you deal with the other racers. Sometimes they try to be a dick and, like, get in front of them or ram into them myself, but uh, I'm not sure how the collision system in this game works because there have been times when I rammed into someone else and I fall off, and yeah. That's the game telling you to uh, quit being such a dick. (laughs) (laughs) I can't help it. My name is Dick Mariner. (laughs) I think it's if you hit any... Anything front on, then it's a crash. But if someone hits you from behind, then it's a crash for the person behind who rear-ended you. Mm. And I think you can also kind of poke people from the side, but that's where I think the collision gets a little vague. Yeah, that is that is definitely where I'm... The times where it looks like I should have rammed them off their bikes, but I instead get rammed, knocked off. Yeah, mm. I can rear-end them just fine or get in front of them. Yeah, struck them just fine. I think it also depends on the speed. So, like, yes. sometimes I'll rub up against someone and then just kind of push their steering a little bit off course so that I can just nudge my way in front and maintain... Oh, and like, especially if it's in, like, um, a narrow area or where there's um, a lot of obstacles, you can kind of push them a little bit so that you have a clear throughway and that they're kind of, like, you know, stuck in front of the obstacles. Yeah. I don't know if they actually slow down if if you push them past the buoys because I know when I was racing with uh, I think it was Jeter that this happened where I pushed Hayami like past and he missed a buoy but he didn't look like he was getting any slower because I was still neck and neck with him. Huh. Well, I usually just aim for their heads and hope they'll die. <laughs> uh, Greg, how about you? How do you know when to put down Library sixty four? I'm really just satisfied with getting first in the circuit. I know that there's like a stunt mode and a time trial mode, but I guess the circuit feels like the most complete segment of the game. And like, I could practice stunt mode or time trial mode for higher performance, but that's usually the kind of skill level that I don't bother with in a game. Okay, so you're alright playing it like a platformer? Yeah, like, uh, I guess you could say each circuit feels like a different world, and um, completing a circuit requires sitting down for like ten minutes and getting through a sequence of challenges all in a row. Whereas a time, like a time trial, would be sitting down with just one course and repeating the same minute and a half of gameplay until it's like super duper refined. All right. All right, um, before we go, uh, Adrian, who's your favorite 1970s singer-songwriter? Well, I wasn't born in the 70s, so I have no idea. All right, a man of his time. Uh, Greg, how about you? Neil Young? I knew you were going to say, I knew it was going to either be Stevie Wonder or Neil Young. And Daniel, how about you? Hmm. Mine would be uh, Cat Stevens. All right, that's a respectable answer. Uh, I like... Bob Dylan's 70s work. So, any final words? I think Neil Young could take Bob Dylan in a fight. (laughs) 
Uh, we'll have to ask the internet about that. <laughs> uh, so thanks, uh, everyone for joining me tonight for the Wave Race 64 podcast and enjoy the rest of your night or day, depending on what continent you live on. <laughs> Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Jerk Day. <laughs>